Saturday. CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome to Options Action. I'm Deirdre Boza in for Melissa Lee. Here is what's on tap tonight. You can have a Coke, but can you have a smile? Carter Worth thinks so. The Consumer Staples Giant on deck to report next week. And we'll show you why and how to play it. Then, tonight, we're taking more of your Twitter questions. But first, Tony Zhang is going to show you how to trade Twitter itself. Finally, Moderna, being called the Tesla of drug makers. That's a lot to unpack. But Mike Goh is going to take a shot at it. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Coca with quarterly results next week. Like its consumer staple sibling Pepsi, it could be poised to pop. Carter Worth explains. Carter, we were just talking about this reopening trade in the Coke portfolio. Tilts a little more to on the go drinks. That's right. Well, thank you, Deirdre. I mean, I think the setup here is quite good in the sense that we're looking for a macro catalyst or backdrop that's positive and we have that there's a very defensive tilt to the market right now interest rates are down and defensive areas of the market like utilities and staples acting well two we have an event earnings and three just as you said pepsi just popped on its earnings let's look at coke the first of four charts the first is a two panel chart you're just looking at coke a three-year chart weekly bars and the bottom panel is what i want to focus on the relative performance of Coke to its peer group, to Clorox and Colgate and Pepsi, that relative strength line is starting to curl up. That's impressive, developmental, and we think it's important. Now, the next chart, just Coke itself. The setup here, a nice ascent, very orderly since the pandemic low, and the potential for a breakout here above the tops uh, in play. Now, you'll also note that the stock is one of the few that have yet to return to their pre-COVID level. So let's drill down a little tighter. Next chart. So this is the two-year chart, and you can see the same annotations by me, same drawings, but it puts in play the fact that Coke, not Pepsi, not so many others, is still below where it was when the pandemic uh, hit. And then the final chart, just to call attention to that level. So um, in February, the stock was around 60 and change. Here we are at 56. We think that in the event of a pop, earnings related, the stock is headed to finally its prior high. We're buyers of Coke. All right, Carter, thanks for that. Mike, what's your take? What's the trade? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Carter pointed out a couple things. Obviously, the fact that it has not basically achieved its pre pandemic highs, I think that's an important point. I mean, let's just take a look at the fundamental backdrop here. I mean, this is a stock that's providing about a 3% dividend yield. I think that lends some level of support, particularly as he was suggesting in this more defensive environment. Uh, also, I mean, just take a look at how the company was doing. You know, right before the pandemic, 
The prior year, full year revenues in round numbers were about $37 billion. That's very close to what we're anticipating for full year this year as we're going to see out-of-home beverage sales increase for Coke. But next year, right now, the expectation is for full year revenues in the $39 billion range. That would be a year-on-year increase of about 6%. So I think that combined with a little over 24 times earnings, which is in line with Pepsi, but below the mean for the entire peer group, suggests that Coke is actually a reasonable value when you put it relative to everything else you can look at. Now, one quick point about earnings. This is not a stock that moves a great deal on earnings, averaging less than 3% the day they report. And of course, there probably is a little bit of information from the Pepsi earnings embedded here. So what I was doing was taking a look at long dated calls, January 57 and a half calls. When I was looking at that earlier today, those were about $2.14. And then I was looking at selling the August 57 and a half calls against that to help finance that. Those I could collect about 70 cents for. Now, of course, 70 cents on a stock that's closing on $60 may not seem like a lot of premium to collect in one month. Think about it in the context, though, of the $2.14 you're spending. That's about a third of the premium. So there's about almost 190 days till those long dated calls expire only about 35 till those shorter dated August options expire. The idea here is that we can continue to own those longer dated calls and sell premium against them continuously to essentially help finance that, understanding that this is not a stock that tends to rocket higher, it's just moving higher. Right, well watch out for that. Tony, what is your take going into Coke earnings next week? Yeah, so first of all, I think the chart here is very compelling. You have that potential breakout here above that $56 level. I do think that $60 target that Carter was showing you is a very reasonable upside target, especially over the next few months. But if you look at the fundamentals, as Mike said, both the revenues and margins are recovering back to pre-COVID levels. And when the stock is trading uh, is paying about a 3.1% yield, and we have a pretty good uh, chance of this stock beating uh, on top line revenue just like Pepsi, that's really where I think the current valuations are fully justified, as Mike said, about 24 times next year's earnings. So typically, trading a call calendar, calendar like this on a stock that we're fairly bullish on is concerning to me. But as Mike said, there's a lot of information that was leaked from the from the Pepsi earnings announcement. And the stock is already up 3% this week. I think that the upside here for next week is relatively limited. So I think that his call calendar that is targeting about a 2% upside here over the next month or so is is justified, especially because of the skew that he's noticed from that short, shorter dated option that he's able to take advantage of. That's going to allow you to own these longer dated calls for a substantially cheaper price. And if you're able to sell some more calls against it as the stock continues to rise, then you're able to own these calls for a significantly cheaper price. So I like this trade quite a bit. All right, great points all around. And we also like taking your Twitter questions, which we will do later on in the show. But Tony Jang, like Twitter as a trade. Tony, what's the story there? Yeah, exactly. So I think last uh, quarter's revenue miss and the stock selling off so heavily was a little overdone. And I think the fact that the stock is back on track towards profitability and revenue growth, I think this is a, this is a stock that we should take a look at here again going into earnings next week. Now, if you look at the chart itself, the stock has 
found a base above the $64 level prior to the previous revenue miss. And so far over the past couple of weeks, it started to form another base above this level. And I think this is the opportunity for it to now continue back towards that $80 all-time high for Twitter. If you look at the business itself, we're looking at about 30% top line growth here over the next few years. And it's a stock that's inherently pr uh, uh, profitable, uh, unlike some of its other peers, yet it trades at a fairly substantial discount to those peers. So for those reasons, this is a stock that I think is justified in terms of trading at a higher valuation. And especially with Twitter Blue recently just launching, we're going to get a glimpse into how that's going to perform. I think that's something that could potentially add another 5 to 7% to top line growth, mm -hmm. uh, top line revenue next year. So the trade structure that I want to use reflects the options, uh, what the options are implying for this specific earnings, which is about 11.2% move versus the average that we've seen here over the last eight quarters, around 13.2%. So Options are implying a slightly muted um, earnings event. So the trade structure I'm using here is selling a put credit spread. I'm going out to the August 27th weekly expiration, and I'm selling the 66.60 put vertical here, collecting about $4.70 for that August 27th uh, $66 put, and then spending about $2.25 for that $60 put. Net-net here, I'm collecting about $2.45, which is about 40% of the vertical width. When I'm able to collect this amount of premium, that's a type of trade that I want to take, especially if I think the upside here is going to be somewhat limited because of what the options are currently implying. And Mike, close us out here. What are your thoughts on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, I think the important point, and it's kind of funny, you know, Tony was just talking about an 11.5% implied move as being relatively modest. Compare that to the 2.5% or the you mm -hmm. might see out of a name like a staple stock like Coke or Pepsi. I think the important point here is the trade structure that he's choosing. When you take, when you look at credit spreads by either selling a put credit spread or a call uh, credit spread, you can collect more than 30% of the distance between the strikes in a relatively short period of time. That's a positive three things can happen to the stock. It can stay where it is, it can go higher, or it can go lower, and you win in two out of these three cases. So this is a trade structure that I recommend in general. And, you know, even if the stock did fall, you know, the total risk that you're taking is considerably less than you would take by purchasing the stock outright. So I, I like the trade structure and I like the timing of it as well. All right. Well, for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. And here's what's coming up next. The rapid rise of Moderna. COVID vaccine maker, new S&P 500 member. Now one of the biggest biotechs in the world. But is it a good options trade candidate? Professor Ko weighs in. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.
Welcome back to Options Action. Moderna, it's being called the Tesla of drug makers, but is it the right prescription for a trade? Paging Dr. Quo, Mike, you think this is looking expensive? Yeah, so this is an interesting situation. Obviously, if you've been following the stock, you're aware uh, just how much this thing is up over the last few years. And of course, you know, we have the pandemic in large part to thank for that. Right now, the options on Moderna are exceptionally expensive, and we'll get to how expensive they are in a moment. And of course, the stock is also considerably more expensive than it was as a result of this big rally that we've seen. So when I take a look at this thing, you know, we obviously have several uh, catalysts coming up. And you take a look at what the analyst price target for this thing is, and it is substantially lower than where the stock is currently priced. So if you're taking a look at all of these things in conjunction, you might feel that there is some considerable risk. Let's take a look at the options price first. And what you're going to find is that the near-dated options, the implied volatility of those is close to 80%. That means they're more than three times as expensive, like for like, than, say, options on Coca-Cola. And, of course, after this big move, that's maybe not that surprising. The other thing, of course, we've seen a huge growth in is revenues. This was a company that just a few years ago had revenues of only $60 million. Those are up substantially. We're going to be looking at close to $18, maybe $19 billion full year this year. The real question is, with all of the news that's been priced into this stock, obviously it's high, high dependence on COVID vaccine, obviously, as a source of revenues. There's a lot of questions about how that's going to look going forward. And I think that's kind of embedded in this. And there's a real uh, dilemma right now that we're facing about whether this is actually something that's going to persist for the long term, whether you're going to have dosing prices consistent, who's going to be getting these and when. And so when I take a look at this, to me, it's looking a little bit extended. And obviously, we can get Carter's view on the charts. But when options are this expensive, we need to look for ways to mitigate the cost of purchasing them. And we also need, when we see a stock that's moving straight up and we're trying to time a potential downturn, it's difficult to do that. So I wanted to buy a longer dated downside put in this. I was looking out to October, the 240 puts. Those were uh, about $15, a little bit less, maybe 14 bucks when I was looking at these earlier today. And then I want to try to help finance the purchase of those by selling nearer dated puts, such as the August 240s. Those were a little less than $6. And the idea here is that, of course, when you use calendars, oftentimes the best possible price is for it to land right on the strike that you have selected. And of course, you know, you're trying to thread the needle a little bit here. But the thing is, because the options premiums are so expensive, we sort of have to weigh this trade off a little bit. I want to own those longer dated downside puts. I'm trying to find a way to finance a portion of that while mitigating my risk. Obviously, this is not a stock I would even remotely consider shorting given its price action. Hmm. Right. It's been an incredible run. Carter, what are the charts looking like? Right. Before we get to them, we have three. It's important what, what Mike just said. He said that the investment community, think there are actually 17 analysts that are responsible for this stock, typically with healthcare background and trying to come to a judgment of what it's worth. And those 17 analysts, their price target 12 months in the future is $187. But the stock's at 286 So what do we do? Well, all we can do is charts because no one has a clue because it doesn't make any money. It's worth $140 billion. The first chart. Do you see where it gapped to today? Right to its internal trend line, in effect, the past 12 months. Look at the second chart. The sequencing is very orderly. You have two distinct pullbacks, 137% there you can see over essentially 80 sessions, the other 35% over 75 sessions. So two four-month pullbacks. And then the final chart, put all of it together. Basically, the current 140% advance is about two-thirds of the preceding 
advance, 228, which is two-thirds of the preceding 375. It's right to its trend line. I think this is a moment where you certainly harvest gains. Shorting is a different matter, but sell Moderna. Fair enough. Tony, what do you make of Moderna and Mike's trade? Yeah, clearly this is a stock that's effectively priced to perfection that's completely decoupled from this fund from the fundamentals as Carter was saying but I do think that there's a few reasons that the stock is trading where it is right now there's first of all the hype of being added to the S&P 500 we saw the same with Tesla after it was added to the S&P 500 but also the company is right now adding the amount of capacity three times of what they delivered in 2021 so the question right now as to whether or not the amount of demand will be there for these amount of vaccines that's one big if but I will say there is another compelling reason for the stock to be trading at fairly rich valuations, and that's really the ability of using the mRNA vaccine process for flu vaccines. And there's some compelling reasons as to why this process is far better than what we're currently using to develop flu vaccines. But that process is probably at least three to four years away from, from generating any substantial revenue. So for those reasons, I believe that putting on a short like this makes a lot of sense. And Mike's trade structure, the diagonal, is great for using this because he's risking less than 3% of the stock's value to play for a short, but timing these things are very tricky. So the call, the put diagonal here allows him to, even if the stock is to trade sideways, to not lose any money on this particular trade. And he's, got, and he's gone all the way out to October. So buys him quite a bit of time to wait for a potential correction, even if over the next month or so, the stock just trades sideways. And then as he continues to collect premium on the short leg of the put vertical, uh, for the put diagonal, he can potentially buy himself even more time to the downside. Right, and we will see Moderna enter the S&P next week. Mike, we'll give you the final word on this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the important points, too, is that he mentioned Tesla. Think what happened to Tesla after that happened. I mean, there's a lot of good news that obviously has propelled the stock, but a lot of that is already known. What is the next catalyst to propel the stock higher? I think we're running out of those. A lot of that good news is baked in. That's one of the reasons why I'm guessing that it could potentially either take a rest or even take a downturn here. Coming up next, from silver to gold, Men Sachs, answering your Twitter questions. That's next. Stay with us. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer writes, SLV is now below all major moving averages. SLV July 30th puts for $0.05. Cents. Seems like a nice way to make a bearish bet. Do the traders agree? Thanks, Carter. This one to you. At one point, Silver thought to be the next meme trade. That's right. Um, I think this is actually a good answer to talk about moving averages for one second. Um, you'll note that the 50, the 152, they're all at the same level. A moving average is an automated trend line. We only use them when something is trending. Silver right now is the exact same price it was one month ago, six months ago, 12 months ago. It's basically unch, and I don't think there's any discernible trade here. Our next viewer asks, what are your thoughts on a Goldman Sachs November 400 to $420 call spread, spending about $3.80 to potentially make 20 So on this particular trade, you only have about less than 16% chance of actually making that full $20 on this particular trade. So I like the trade structure, but I do think you should use a lower strike price, maybe around a 380-400. That's going to give you a slightly higher probability of success, slightly lower risk-to-reward ratio, but I think that's a better trade to make. 
And Mike, Andy in Florida asks, long-dated, out-of-the-money Tesla options are erratic in price. Most are low volume. I've noticed this option of other stocks. What causes this? Yeah, so uh, it's a good observation. I mean, obviously, the first and foremost cause of big swings in those call prices is the fact that the price of Tesla itself has moved quite a lot this year. It closed on close to $900 at one point and then down to $570 at another. The other thing is that stocks that are highly volatile, the implied volatility of those longer dated options will be higher, which means that their sensitivity, if they're out of the money, to price moves in the underlying will also be greater. And then finally, we actually saw the implied volatility of those themselves change fairly dramatically. At one point, we saw implied volatility of close to 80%. And of course, in those longer dated options, it's dropped quite, uh, quite a lot since then by probably down to 55, 60%. So those three things are what are contributing considerably to the volatility you're seeing in those out-of-the-money calls in high-flying stocks like Tesla. Okay, Mike, I'm going to direct the last one to you as well. Next viewer asks, how can I properly hedge my mega cap longs? Oh, a layup. I love it. <laughs> this is an easy one. And one of the reasons is because we actually talked about this just recently. You know, the best way to try to hedge a portfolio that's tech heavy is to buy put spreads in the queues for a couple of reasons. One, that mitigates the cost, but also the skew is relatively steep. Those expensive out-of-the-money puts help finance the purchase of ones that are closer to at-the-money. And Carter, a layup for you as well. What's your take? Well, I mean, sometimes things are very actionable and sometimes they're not. The, the, the risk here is that the upside is capped and the downside is potentially enormous. That's my opinion. Up next, the final call. Time now for the final call. Carter, you first. Sure, so Staples, uh, they beat the market today. They beat the market over the past week and the past month. And Coke, the big staple, is beating its sector. We like Coke into earnings for a break. All right, those value plays. Tony? Uh, I think you see a strong quarter out of Twitter next week as says get back on track for profitability and revenue growth. I'm selling a put credit spread into earnings next week. All right, and you mentioned that product pipeline. Mike, finally to you, final call. Yeah, picking tops and bottoms in stocks or markets is a very difficult thing to do. And one way to make bets on that and help finance it is to use calendar spreads and diagonal spreads like the spreads that we're taking a look at in Moderna, which is obviously quite extended here. Yeah, and we've got a busy earnings week next week. So rest up, guys. Have a great weekend. That's it for Options Action. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 Eastern. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 930 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC.